Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever they'll have me really, podcast and website, that where I talk about buying and selling, financing and managing small and medium-sized businesses. Today, I'm, I'm really happy to have with me as guest, Jared Krauss from the Gold Coast of Australia. And Jared, has a podcast and uh, he contacted me and I listened to a few episodes and Jared, your podcast is all about buying online businesses, money-making websites. Um, can we just for a minute talk about how you got into that? And then, and then uh, I've got a few questions here that I want to ask you about the whole topic, but why don't you give us a little bit of background on your story? Cool. And thanks so much for having me on, David. Really appreciate it. Um, it's great to come on and I love chatting business as always. So um, I, I used to be a plumber and I, how I got started was I just really hated my job. And I was just, because I was working so many hours, right? I was working like 60, 70 hours. And then wow. I was driving an hour and a half to work and an hour and a half home from work. So commuting like three hours a day as well on top of that. And I was just, just drained and just knew there was something better. And what I used to do is I used to kind of run away. Like I'd kind of just quit my job and then I'd go traveling because I was able to make a good bit of money from doing so many hours. And in Australia at that time, um, we had a pretty good exchange rate and I made a bit of money from it. So I just quit and I go over to overseas traveling and blow it all on traveling and uh, travel for six months or so, not working and, or maybe longer, six months to a year. And then I'd, normally come home with my tail between my legs and have to go to work again. And there was one time that I decided to go traveling and I did Europe and I did like 16 countries in Europe mm -hmm. uh, in a van with some friends. And I ended up was like, no, I'm not going to go home yet. I'm going to go to Egypt and do some dive, you know, become a dive instructor. And at that time I was like, I really slowed down and I thought, what am I actually doing with my life here? I don't want to be doing that whole nine to five grind hustle hard thing. And I thought, I need a goal. I need a goal. So I set myself a goal to, you know, what do I want to do is I want to travel the world, but I need to make money doing it somehow. So I started, I went online and this is what I literally did, did David. I jumped online and I jumped on my keyboard and I typed in how to travel the world and make money online. And uh, I popped up people to travel blogging. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm going to become a travel blogger. And so I started travel blogging and, and uh, doing as much as I could. And I started making a real minute bit of money, but I realized that everybody that had a, you know, a, a phone was a travel blog and was my competition. So yeah. it was really hard to make money. And I, I started building websites and I realized that was really hard and I was failed at many websites. And then from there, what happened was for some reason I came across this thing that said 90% of all startups fail. And I thought, oh, oh well, 90% of startups fail. And this is when I was still working and trying to make my websites work that I was building. I thought if 90% fail, why don't I go away and buy a website's past that 90% failure rate, right? That makes sense. So I jumped on to see if I could actually buy websites and I came across these different platforms that you could. And I thought, all right, I've got to teach myself how to do due diligence, went away and did that, started buying one. I bought another one and another one and another one. And eventually I quit my job and I was, I was making more money from my plumbing job and um, went away traveling. And then people started asking me, how do you do this sort of stuff? And it just, it blossomed from there, really. You know, what, you know, there's, there's a couple of different things I want to point out about your story. And, and number one, 
is that the whole journey started with the end. What, what, do, what does Jared want? Jared wants mm-hmm. to be able to travel, but needs money to buy food and whatnot. And so you, you set your goal. This is what I want as far as a lifestyle. And then you said, how can I then do something in business to facilitate that? And, and, and for you, it was finding a way to make money online. And, you know, your message about how 90% of startups fail is not a new message to this audience at all, because most people mm. are here because they, they want to be in business, but they don't want to go through the, the pain and risk of the startup. And so choosing online, you know, you mentioned your hour and a half commute each way. Choosing to be online, did it have to do with travel or did it have to do with you living in a particular uh, place that didn't have a lot of business opportunities. Yeah, great question. And such a good point is that it started with the end in mind. And one of my mentors, he says, never change your goal, always change your strategy. And back then I didn't have this mentor and he, and I realized that I was, I failed at so many things along this way to achieve my goal. And I just changed the strategy as I went. And I thought that was a really cool concept that I learned from him. And to answer that question of was it just to cut out the travel of commuting time or was it to be overseas somewhere and travel? And to be honest, it was just a travel to be overseas and be in different locations. And I just wanted to be location dependent really. So Mm -hmm. I could have, you know, I was a bit younger and I just wanted to go around and have fun. And um, that was a main reason really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, no reason why you can't just create the life you want, right? I mean, why have the life you don't? I, exactly. So I get approached a lot by people who say, hey, I'd like to be on your YouTube channel. I'd like to be on your podcast. And, you know, so I got an email from you and then I checked out your podcast. And I'll tell you, um, the first podcast of yours I listened to was about how to finance the acquisition of an online business. And when I saw the title, my eyes kind of rolled a little bit and I'm like, what's this guy going to tell us to do? Sell our houses or mortgage our houses or something. <laughs> and then I listened to you talk with your guest about living below your means and saving money. And then I thought, oh, oh, you know, this, here's a kindred spirit in the world. Um, because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like if you're going to buy a machine or buy a business that has tangible equipment or inventory and things like this, it's okay to borrow money against stuff like that because you're, you're acquiring things that are going to help you make money, et cetera. But if there's nothing tangible there, and if you're going to be, you know, taking a risk in business to any degree, you, you have to be in a power position that usually comes from speaking from a point of, of equity, which means cash. And, and this yeah. is what your podcast was about. And so, I want to talk a little bit about that. Once you decided I want to be location independent and be able to travel and the way I'm going to do it is through online business, how long an arc was it from the time you made that decision to the time you could say that you had arrived to some degree? Yeah. Um, and I do agree. Some people just go away and leverage to the hills on, you know, investments and yeah, it's making you income, but you've got no tangible assets there. And I think it's, I wouldn't say it's not great for like you can go away and get finance and I've got clients that have, but these are clients that know have been in the scene and have their asset is their knowledge and they know they can make it work and they're committed to it. 
So I wouldn't say it's you just have to disregard finance completely. It's possible. I do prefer people to buy it for cash unless you're like 250% committed and you have a little, at least a little bit of knowledge or you're dedicated to paying for a mentor to get knowledge on how to grow it. And that is a massive asset. Uh, and to answer your question, it was, uh, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> well, it was, it was how long from the time you decided yeah, where you were headed yeah. to the point where you, you had enough income coming in from these online businesses that you could say, wow, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of there. I've, I've, I've got some income now. Yeah. It was a very short time. I started learning and at the end of, I think it was 2014, I bought my first business by July, 2015, I was making more from my plumbing job. Reason being is because I had some savings. So I had saved up a bit of money and I was using it for the share market and I just stopped it. I was like, I'm not going to use this in the market where it was. Uh, I caught the massive hit from the GFC as most people did. And I still had some money left over and I really wanted to invest that in different you know, somewhere else. And, uh, so I bought a business, a website, I bought it from flipper and mm -hmm. I made good return. I was making 30% return on that per year. And then I bought a second website and I bought it in, I think it was June or July. And when I bought this second website, I was making, I made a hundred percent return on my investment in seven months. And wow. I found this one on flipper and we kind of bought it offline. And from that, I was making more from my, so I had two businesses and I was making more from my uh, two businesses than I was from my full-time gig as a plumber. And this isn't obviously typical, like I'm not saying, and I say, say this to all my clients as well, it's not like I just had a, well, you'd luck was involved and I'd love to say I had all the knowledge and all the skills and I was only in the game for like maybe 12 months in learning due diligence and buying businesses at this stage to buy my second one. So there was a little bit of luck in there that the business I bought did really, really well. But it's not a typical thing for people to just go, I'm just going to replace my income in six months. Well, mm. it was probably a bit longer. It's probably like nine months, right? Um, but yeah, that's, that's how that un unrolled. And I was like, I feel that it's not just that time though that I had, that it wasn't just the nine months because people miss the background story. You know how people say, yeah. oh, make like, $10,000 in a day or whatever it is is a common thing that I see. It's not that I didn't make $10,000 in a day. It's all the time before that. And there was a really cool thing that somebody told me about. Um, there was a guy sitting on a bench who uh, was painting people's portraits. And they, somebody, a lady came along and said, oh, this is, and this is like centuries and centuries ago lady came along and said, oh, can you please paint my portrait? And the guy said, yeah, sure, I'll paint your portrait. Paints his, paints his portrait and it's like 20 minutes. The most amazing, beautiful, immaculate portrait, spitting image, right? And the guy goes, oh, that'll be, that'll be 200 euro. And it was like centuries ago. And the lady said, what? That's outrageous. How can you only took you 20 minutes? And he said, no, 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 this didn't take me 20 minutes. This took me my whole life. And the guy who painted that was like Pablo Picasso. I forget the person's actual artist's name, but somebody had been doing it for their whole life, right? So it's not yeah. that I just did click my fingers and this happened overnight. Like all that story of me learning how to, you know, buy websites and start failing at websites and all that sort of stuff was a big contribution to that. So the so trying to start those different website businesses, that gave you some basis of understanding, you know, how to understand like 
the Google Analytics and all these other things that play a role. So when you went out to look at one, you knew what you were looking at, you knew what this information meant. Now, I know that the first two businesses that you bought ended up being successful for you, but you've also gone and looked at a whole bunch of other ones. So I, I want to kind of point the spotlight on, on mm -hmm. the, the good fortune that you had in those first two deals, because how many other deals do you look at, have you had to look at before you then found the third, fourth, or what have you? Because they're not, it's not, two out of two is not really, um, it, it, it's not characteristic really? of what happens for most people, right? <laughs> exactly. And it didn't just happen for me as well. Uh, I, to answer that question, I look at so many businesses and so many websites to sell. So to paint a picture, I'd come home from work and I'd get home at maybe seven o'clock at night. I'd scoff some food in front of my computer and I'd spend from maybe seven thirty eight to like 11 o'clock at night on my computer, go to bed, wake up at four or five o'clock in the morning, drive to work. So I was hungry. Like I was like pretty dedicated to this because I was so committed to not having to work and, and be off doing my, hitting my goals. And this is a lot of my clients and, um, and we all do it. We're human beings. We drop off the bandwagon. We forget our, our investment schedule or our, our schedule that we, I tell people to put down a schedule and actually put it in their calendar. Like I'm going to spend this time looking at websites or finding websites or doing research and due diligence, just like it's you going to the gym. You can't achieve your financial goals if you don't have that scheduled in. So for me, I looked at hundreds and hundreds of business. I spoke to so many sellers on the phone, um, all different crazy, you know, hours of the morning from America and UK. I'm waking up at like, 1am in the morning and then going back to bed and waking up at 4am to go to work and stuff. Um, so I looked at a lot of businesses at a, on a lot of different um, website brokers and marketplaces. I don't know exactly how many I would love to let you know, but I think it's, you know, if you go away and do research and due diligence on like anywhere from like 30 to a hundred deals, you're going to find something that's good. And it's not just your it's not just luck of finding something that's good. You're going to be able to start seeing things better because you get that knowledge and you learn so much from other websites and businesses you look at, and especially from the sellers you talk to too. Mm. So it's quite a few, David, to be honest. See, all the stuff you're talking about is just absolutely parallel to the rest of the world of people buying and selling businesses. And, and I sometimes get questions from people on the YouTube channel or they'll send them in by email and they'll ask me, specifically about online businesses and it, it, it kind of makes me chuckle because really an online business is just a business it just happens exactly. to be conducted online right and and a lot of real world businesses have an online presence in fact you know most businesses now have an online presence and so it's it's really just the same program as, as examining any kind of business the the key feature though i think that people are looking at when they think about a business that operates primarily from a website is that you don't have to be in a given place to make it work. You can, you can be wherever you want to be. And so, uh, Jared, you now work with people helping them go through this same journey, right? Can you, can you tell us about what the average person uh, looks like who comes and wants to work with you? Yeah, so initially it was just I was helping people that were me, a younger version of me, so mainly tradies, uh, mainly men who wanted to go away and buy a website, what they, most of the people that do come and work for me are people that 
are on the tools and they want to have a lifestyle where they can go away and travel like mine and hit you know the my travel goal vlogs that I had and all the stuff that I used to have on Instagram and and achieve like this this fancy life of, of travel but not have to work and then there's a, a lot of other people are probably majority now are people that do have families and do work and they realize that the most valuable thing is you can always earn more money but you can't earn more time and they really want that valuable time with their their family and their friends that they don't get and that's that's what most most of the people that I do uh, work with are men who want to be able to provide for the family, but not slave labor type providing and have more time with their children and their partners. And so how, what have you know, since you bought your first website back in 2014 and, and since you started looking at the market, so probably a few months before that, what kinds of changes have you seen in the, the marketplace of people buying and selling these money-making websites? Yeah. So, from when I started, there was higher returns, obviously, uh, and people were able to achieve, you know, a twelve-month, you know, multiple, or a, you know, twenty-four-month multiple. Now it's more like twenty-four to thirty-six, sometimes even larger, depending on how valuable the business is, um, you know, how large it is, how many hours are put into the business. So that's a massive change that I have seen. It's still an amazing ROI getting a twenty-four to thirty-six-month multiple uh, compared to you know, standard investments or traditional investments, should I call it, which is most people call them. Um, so there's some pretty big changes. And then I've watched a lot of the marketplaces and the website brokers have grown as well and started providing us with better analytics or better a better platform to justify or should I say do due diligence on their platform, like Mm -hmm. looking at their financials, looking at their Google analytics and all that sort of stuff. So the brokerage of this has gotten better and then different financing options have opened up as well for particular websites to or website investing. Um, and I've noticed obviously the online game changes so much, right? There's so many changes that have happened like the Facebook changes, you know, Facebook um, advertisement algorithm changes, uh, the Google algorithm changes, the how people went from crazy one way of marketing their business to a crazy other stream of like, first it was like just hardcore content, link building. People were still doing black hat SEO, which shouldn't, hopefully doesn't really exist anymore uh, to a point where now everybody's doing a whole lot of uh, Instagram videos and it's more, not just images, but more videos, more audio podcasting and building their businesses that way. Um, there's, I could go on and list so many changes, but they're probably some of the key ones. Okay. And, and so, you know, for the buyers and, and, and here's the one thing that has come up over and over again is that when you start to get into the, the bigger size websites, when you start to get into five, the higher five and six figure price tags, what I have seen in some of the deals that, that I've helped people with is that they are still able to negotiate perhaps some seller financing, which is kind of normal in the, in the regular business acquisition world. But yeah. one of the things that, that creates kind of a hiccup sometimes in a seller financing is if the buyer and seller are in two different countries is it, it creates a higher degree of, of anxiety maybe for both parties because they, they think, you know what, if we were in the same country and there was a problem between us, we could go to court. 
But if you're in two separate countries, all of a sudden it adds this additional layer of complexity. Have you seen um, you know, people working on this kind of problem? What are some of the creative things that people have done to, to work those things out? Uh, I have actually done this myself where I did put a, a larger deposit. I think it may have been 70% down and then put a, and, and really good, as you know, because it helps you still be connected to the, to the seller and, mm-hmm. you know, they help you, you know, learn more about the business as you go until, you know, their payments are made kind of thing. Um, and that's a, that's a way that an approach that I like to teach for sure is that, and then I, so yeah, I bought 70% down and then it was a US business and I was paying Aussie dollars, but they wanted US dollars, obviously. And that's fair. So I just had to structure it with my bank to change it to US dollars and then transfer it into the broker's account um, first and then just, and then they transferred it through to, to them. So it was a possible, but I guess the creative way to go about it is, is having uh, contracts written up and agreements written up, you know, in the contract for sale, have this written out and you both signed it and you're both legally liable. You're, you're legally liable to a one receive one party receive and, and B mm-hmm. one party provide. That's probably the best, best case scenario, I believe. Um, but how about you? Like, how have you sort of seen creative solutions? Cause I'm interested in this. Like what's, you know, well, at the end of the day, you can have all the paperwork you want. Um, mm. It's going to come down to whether or not you're dealing with uh, a party that is honorable and trustworthy. And so, you know, these guys who, who sold you the business, um, they had a contract in place, but if you had not paid them and you controlled the website and, you know, the domains and all that kind of stuff, they would, what, have to sue you in Australia, which would have cost them a lot of money. And so at the end of the day, the only reason they probably agreed to enter into the deal was because they did a little bit of looking into who you were and they realized, you know, Jared seems like a good guy. We can trust him. He's putting a big down payment. Um, There's no question that he owes us the money. Maybe there were some offsets in there for one thing or another. But at the end of the day, what I teach fundamentally is that it's a relationship that's to be created. Because if the relationship doesn't exist, you know, it's like you walk into a candy store, you hand over the money, you take the candy. There's no relationship that there doesn't have to be because there's no risk. You've got the candy bar you paid for. And yeah. anytime you have a relationship where you're going to pay for something over time, even if you borrow the money from the bank, the bank has to trust you, right? Yes. So, so they have a relationship with you. It's, it's always about figuring out if you can do business with someone. And I would imagine now with your online presence, the fact that you have a podcast, the fact that you've done other deals, if you were to approach a seller with an offer for that included payments over time, you would be able to show your footprint on the internet to that person. They could check you out, but you could also give them the names of, of this other person in America and say, look, here's another guy I paid over time. You can reach out to him if you want to know if I made all my payments or not. And so you kind of build this credible profile as a buyer as someone who's completed their contracts and done well, just like the, the car auto lot is going to look at your credit score to make sure you paid off prior loans, right? Sure. It's, it's credibility and trustworthiness and reputation and 
you know, to get back to the old terms about, you know, the five C's of credit, it's character. Right? Yeah, hugely. Yeah. And I, like you said before, that relationship you can have with the bank, the bank's not going to finance you unless you've gotten a certain amount of assets or equity and something. And this mm-hmm. is something if you do have the, the availability of funds to do this is you could put this money in an escrow account and say like, this is an escrow account. I'm good for the money. The money's here and we've set up a payment structure plan that that's going to get released to you uh, over these over X amount of time. So that is a, that is a creative solution. You could do that through uh, and it depends. There's so many different escrow services online, which you already know. Um, Mm. But yeah, I agree. Relationships. It's, it's the most important. Yeah, the, the escrow solution solves the problem of making sure you get everything you were supposed to get when you buy it, but it doesn't solve the problem of someone needing financing. Yes, that's right. Which is what payments to the seller over time does solve. Because you know, if, if the business is the thing that's valuable, then the business should be what stands as collateral. And yes, you know, I have this conversation a lot where you know the seller doesn't want to finance me. Well, is the business worth anything? If it's worth something and they're telling you it is, then they should be able to agree that it can stand as collateral for some financing. Um, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's um, you know, sellers, they want everything, right? Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, because you've been a broker for so many years, like the amount of people that come to you and like, I want to sell it for this amount and you must be there just going, okay, like let's let's get real here. Um, well, you talked about the the months of payback, and so you know, in, in traditional business, we talk about multiples, and we're usually talking about annual figures. And in the one thing that I have seen quite often is in the online business space, people are talking about months. Um, yep. And um, so you're talking about taking maybe 24 or 30 months or 36 months to get your money back out of an investment. To me. Um, internet time is a different moves at a different speed than the rest of the world's time. Because if that business is heavily dependent on some of these th- algorithms like Google or Facebook, those things could change. All of a sudden traffic can drop. Have, have you gone through that with, with one of your clients or have you seen that yourself where something has changed outside your control that has just caused a sudden change in the traffic and, and the volume? So for myself, first, uh, I haven't had any drastic changes in traffic and, and volume. Uh, I have had where I've, I've had a business where I've kind of just had not put as much energy into it because I'd have other, other things going on and other things that were making more money and stuff that I was more passionate about, whatever it is, that a lot of competition had come, come in and it affected that business to a certain aspect. But no massive changes myself personally. Uh, I have seen it happen though and it does and you're so right and on the money there that it can change like this and this is why you need to have really good due diligence put in place to make sure that the SEO which is search engine optimization for everybody listening is that is how people search for things on the internet and how your if you have good SEO it gets your website can get ranked higher on the list like the the search engine sorry and so you, if you're really good at doing your research in SEO, you're going to be able to pick what is hap- happening if it's got good SEO and you can only sort of predict what Google and Facebook and that's going to do. Uh, but if you've got some good solid foundations, 
any sort of algorithm changes, it shouldn't affect you too drastically. And there's just some common things that you should have on SEO for your site to make sure that, you know, Google's not just going to rock the boat too hard. But mm. in the past, it because the game, the internet um, has had changed so drastically and so quick that people just didn't know what was what was going to happen. And Google didn't really even know what people wanted as much as they do now with the data they have. So that's why those changes were so drastic. And I dare say they shouldn't be as drastic in the future. And I've still got my fingers crossed because who knows as well. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've heard, uh, you know, for example, at one point in time, people used to sign up for affiliate programs and they would use Google AdWords to advertise their affiliate link. <laughs> and they, they could buy the AdWords so cheaply that they could actually yeah. make money doing this. And then Google came along and said, no, you can't do that anymore. And just like, just like that, their business was turned off. And so and you're right. I, I think the rate of change should start to slow down as they, as they figure things out. It would seem to me that that would make sense. Let's talk about motivation because you've talked with many, many different sellers of websites. And so if somebody's got a website that's making the money, why would they want to sell it? What kinds of, what are the, some of the most common motivations that you're hearing from people that are selling? Yeah, I was talking about this yesterday. So some of the most common ones are you've got people that just want to cash out and get the money. And this is a lot of people are skeptical when they come to buying a website. Like why would somebody be selling it? There's got to be something wrong with it, right? Uh, and that's more so not the case at all. It's more so people do have this business and they either want to sell it to put it into a bigger business and grow a bigger business or they already have an existing business and they want to, uh, they want to sell it so they can put this money into that bigger business and, and make more money from that, that capital. And I see that's the case most of the time. Does that mean that you should just trust that the business is absolutely awesome and amazing? Hell no. You've got, we've still got to be really good at doing our research and our due diligence, but I find that's the most common motivator. But I've spoken to people that have like wanted to get money, David, for surgery uh, or wanted to get money. I was speaking to a kid a few years, a few years ago now that wanted to sell a business uh, for a birdcage uh, dropshipping business. And I said to him, why do you want to sell it? And he said, oh, I need to go to college. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. So it's, it's quite diverse and you speak to a lot of different people, but the main motivator is they do just want to cash out and reinvest that money. And with motivation, what I was saying yesterday is that it's great to understand somebody's motivation, but with, with one motivation is always a level deeper on motivation. So for that, for example, that person that, or that kid that want to sell their business that's selling bird cages so he could go to college. If I hadn't known what I know now back then, I would have asked, so how much, how much is college? You know, like what, what does it cost to go to college and say that business is worth 60K? I could have, you know, and he said, oh, well, college is 50K. I could have offered him like 55 or 50K and, you know, and worked out a better deal because I understood more of his motivation. I think that's great for everybody listening is that, you know, to really dig deeper and it's, and it's kind of a scary thing to do when you're just new to the game and you will get better of it. But when you do get more courage and more confidence in this, you can start digging deeper on the, on the deeper levels of motivation. I think that's, I think that's really important to do so, um, especially on the higher end listings. Would, would you say that there's a lot of businesses of websites that make money for sale that are not full-time pursuits of their owners? 
Yeah, hugely, hugely. Yeah. yeah, it's especially deals under the 100K range and even 200K range. They, that's, they've either got a job and they want to sell this and buy a bigger business or sell it and put it into another business and then get out of the job. Yeah. Uh, and then there are those people that do do work and they haven't given the business the attention it needs and it and they're just sort of like i want to get rid of this because they feel it's not going to go anywhere but they just don't know where to take it to get it to the next level which is the best sort of deal really when um when i was a business broker selling you know real real world businesses here locally yeah yeah, um one of the number one reason why people wanted to sell was burnout fatigue and that was the number one reason they were bored burned out, they were tired of it, they didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and for almost all those sellers, their business was their full-time thing. And from the people that I've worked with who have come and talked with me about selling their online business, there's kind of a new category that I've observed, and I'm, I'm going to call it opportunity cost. So, for example, I, I actually spoke with someone in Australia about three months ago, and they had an online business related to education. They've been working on this business for the past three or four years. They've always gotten to this fifty-five dollars to $70,000 kind of net earnings range for themselves. Here's the problem. It's a full-time commitment to make it work. And the guy was like a web developer. He could have been earning six figures working for somebody else. So for years, he put everything he could into this business to try to figure out how to get it up to where he needed it to be. He couldn't figure it out. And he just said, you know what? I, I can't stay here earning 55 to 70 grand. I need to go over there and earn 130. They're demanding people like me. I've got the skills. I can go get a job. So I want to sell this business. And, you know, it it made perfect sense because he had come to realize that his business was not in fact an asset. It was a liability because it was taking up his time and earning him far less than his skills were worth. And I've got to imagine that this is something that many people come to a realization, especially you know, your example where you tried to start an online business and you couldn't quite get them to go, sometimes that they do launch, but they don't launch high enough. And if they're taking all your time, it's, it's, it's still not a good investment when you start to think of what your time is worth. Yeah. It's, and a lot of people uh, forget or get really caught up in the money. And what I see the best move that this, um, this person in Australia has done, or if they did do this, is that Yes, they can go away and make more money or probably the same amount of money, right? 130, uh, being a developer and then having that money go, that money they do get as an opportunity cost, like you said, go into another investment where they don't need, they could have just put it into a bond or, you know, they could have given it to like a fund manager or whatever it is that's going to make money itself without them having to do it. But the thing that I see that they gain the most and it's really important, I feel this is that, there's less stress on themselves and stress actually kills us, right? That's what we die from is stress in the body. And this, like a lot of the guys (laughs) that come to me, like I want to make all this money and do all this sort of stuff and Ferraris and Lambos. I'm like, man, like you you may not get it yet. Like stress is like the, the goal. It's like, you know how I was talking about motivation before? Like my motivation was to travel the world and make money online. But really my main motivator was to not have stress, which means travel. And make money online and i think a lot of people forget like how 
bad stress is. And if we can relieve ourselves of that, like, let's do it. Like, let's put our stupid ego aside of like, Hey, I own my own online business here. I'm killing it. And my ego's getting, you know, boosted because I own, I've run my own show. But if you, if I can take a step back and go, oh, I'm actually less stress and a far better lifestyle because I work for somebody else, then that's cool as well, right? Well, yeah, and and, and I think that uh, I think uh, owning your own business can deliver that less stressful lifestyle. I I know what you're talking about about this trap where if you earn more, you just commit yourself to more fancier toys and all this kind of thing. And yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think that. Um, Yeah, it, it, it's about discipline and control and about knowing what that end goal is. I mean, for me, the, the whole, one of the biggest reasons why I developed the business that I have today is I didn't want my children to go to daycare. So mm. I said, how can I use my skills and talents and knowledge to create a business that allows me to be home at three o'clock every afternoon so that the kids awesome. can come here instead of going to daycare? And so then I, just like you, with your traveling the world goal, I worked backwards from that. What, what do I then have to do to create to deliver that which I want? And so, and, and I'm happy that it's worked out. And, and I'm happy that the kids get to spend their afternoons with me, um, even if they go to their moms afterwards. So it's, uh, yeah, the best deal. hopefully it makes them happier when they're adults and less stressed out. Oh, I have no doubt the best thing you can give your kids is, is love, right? Because that's, yeah. that's going to conquer all stress. And for the guy who, and, and don't get me wrong, for the guy who was thinking about going back to a job and being a developer, he's still got more options. You don't have to just choose work or the business. What I would do in my situation is I'd be like, all right, I've got to suck it up. And where, how can I get a mentor or a business coach to help me grow this because I get to this level, like you said, 50 to 70 K I, I, my knowledge can't get me to the next. So if maybe they stuck in there and pay like 10, 20 K a year, whatever it is for a mentor or a business coach or JV with somebody um, such as yourself to help you help you grow it, you know, over a certain time frame, it's a win win for all parties. And uh, I know for myself when I've um, worked with other people or even when I've just hired mentors, like my shoulders have become more relaxed and less stressed because I'm like, all right, I've got faith and trust and confidence in this person. that's going to help me get, get to the, the next level. You know, if, if I just do everything they tell me, how, how can I lose? You know, then it starts up to me how to have the responsibility to make sure I put in the work and don't just pay and do nothing. <laughs> Jared, it's been great having you on the show. If people want to find you online and, and learn more and tune into your podcast, how can they find you? What's the easiest way? Yeah, awesome. So if you just go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com, uh, you can find me there or just type in my name in, in Facebook, Instagram, Google, Jared Krause, J-A-R-Y-D-K-R-A-U-S-E. And you can find me on all those channels and my website. And uh, I do greatly appreciate you having me on board, David. It was a really good chat. I kind of wish we could have gone a little bit longer because it was so good. Well, uh, <laughs> I know we can't just do that. We'll just have to have you back sometime. That's all. I'm down. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much. And just a reminder, everyone out there, regardless of if it's an online business or a real world business, if you want to learn more about buying businesses, just head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com where you can learn about all the stuff that I have put together on the topic. And with that, Jared, we'll see you later. Thank you. See ya.